Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, welcome to 2022. Happy New Year. Year. It's so hard to believe we're in a new year, but here we are. And we're so excited because in 2021, we introduced you to the radical Christian life. Yes. But now in 2022, we're going to dive into the deep end of the pool. We are. Now that you know us a little bit, we feel like we can get away with some stuff that's a little bit deeper. Yeah. So, yeah. Just going to share with you. Some emotional equity with you. Yes. Yes. Relational friends over <laughs> over the, the you know recently network. in this last week or two we've met some people that have come up to us and said we listen to the podcast and we love it it was so cool because like now i feel like when i talk to people i have those faces in my mind yeah. i love that because all of you listening to us really are special to us even though maybe we've never met you yeah. but we pray always before we start our podcast that it would um, affect your life for good yeah That's and really what we're we gonna pray. and we're really praying that you'll still love us through the month of January because, (laughs) you know, there's two ways to swim and one is to kind, and we have, we've taken you to the shallow end, we've held you in the radical Christian life and taught you the different strokes. And then there comes a time and every parent's probably done this well, every parent's like, (laughs) <laughs> some of them, like me who's like okay son you're ready boom you're pushed into the deep end and they're that, that terrifying but then they yeah. put into practice what they've learned and they swim and so today we're standing behind you encouraging you and yet we're going to push you into the deep end of the yeah. pool for this month and it really jump but, yes it comes out of uh just a talk we had uh this morning we were just sitting on our couch having our coffee doing what we do mm-hmm. just uh, making sure communication is number one in our marriage and mm-hmm. i brought up to you about the parable of the sower it's the foundational parable matthew 20 matthew 13 if you want to read it but in all the synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke you have the parable of jesus telling about the sower and the first seed falls on ground that this birds of the air come and take it away. So they're not saved. Mm. Well, praise God, Paul, you and I are saved. Yeah. Then the second praise seed. Praise God is a good response to that. That's right. Second seed falls on, uh, has shallow roots and the sun comes up and it, and that's about persecution and they fall away and they mm. die because the, the trials and the, the hardship of living the Christian life. Mm. And we, we've been through that, but yeah. now 40 years later, we're, we're still living the radical yeah. Christian and we're life, not so done praise yet. God. So yeah. it's not that, yeah, we've complete, you know, you just check it off, but, but we feel <laughs> like that. But now the third the third seed falls on that ground, and it, it grows up, and it's living the Christian life like we are. But then the cares of this mm. world, the weeds it's taught about, which are the cares and of this world, the comforts of this world, starts to choke out the fruit that's supposed to be born. Yeah. And and that's the season we could be in if we're not careful. Yeah. And so we are doing a reset with ourselves. Yeah. And so we're just going to share with you the reset we're doing to to do what we talked about. Yeah. Re- not a resolution this year, just going back to revolution. the revolution that yeah. started back in the 80s with us. And if you didn't listen to our podcast on marriage about the 111, you need to because this is our last of the 111. Once a year, we really do kind of sit in these moments of, okay, what are we doing to move our life forward? What does it look like to follow Jesus 
better and deeper. So yeah. So in the four, the fourth seed is what we want to do. We want to be the seed that bears fruit, that grows up and yeah. bears fruit, and we don't want to stop doing that just because we're older now. Yeah, especially yeah. because we're older. So we're going to start off this year by asking you a question. We're not going to answer one of your questions. We're going to ask you a question mm. that we're asking ourselves, and it's a great question. So why don't you share it, Paula? Yeah. Is Jesus your plus one? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> well, yeah, some things just need unpacked. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's very easy to add Jesus to our old life. And, you know, if you hear us talk about marriage at all, this is a saying we say, we say marriage doesn't bring fulfillment to an unfulfilled life. Yeah, the perfect job will not bring Yeah, you actually could fill in that blank. Yes. You know, the perfect job doesn't bring fulfillment to an unfulfilled life. You know, the perfect house doesn't. You know, all these things that sometimes we find ourselves setting our goals about and on, it doesn't bring fulfillment in but what, the end. But what does it even mean? What, help me to understand, what is what does plus one mean? Well, you're, you're, This is your phrase. This is your question is, we wanted is, to ask anything ourselves. Anything we add to Jesus. Yeah, so where does that word phrase even come from, plus one? I don't know. That's I thought a great it was question. when you got an invitation. Wait a minute. I thought you told me. Oh, you got an invitation to something. And they <laughs> right, said, "Is there a plus did. one? Is yes. there somebody you want to add to bring with you?" Yep, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're plus one. So so. I guess I'm explaining what you explained to me. So. <laughs> you know, sometimes things go badly yeah, so, on this end <laughs> because it really impacted me when you said that because I was thinking, how many Christians want to add Jesus mm. to the to make them their plus one of their finances. And we're yeah. hearing a lot of that in Christianity. Come, yeah. Jesus can make your finances better. Jesus can make your parenting better. Jesus can make your life better. Uh, it's like a plus one. That's where I really thought you were brilliant when you brought that point up of, are well, we making you. Jesus Apparently a plus one? Apparently I didn't one? recognize the brilliance, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but, you know, in the radical Christian life, you become the plus one after he does a hostile takeover of your life. Yeah. Your career and your finances. That's why we you become the plus one. Yeah, because and that's why we start off every podcast, right? Reminding people of what the radical Christian life is, following yeah. Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah. Yeah. We become the plus one. Yep. Yeah. We do it Jesus's way. Yeah. And I just I, I just said this to a disciple not that long ago well, a little bit ago, a while ago, but I was looking at his life and I finally just said, You're just trying to add Jesus to your old lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> You're a new creation yeah. in Christ. There should be major revolutions in your lifestyle. Yeah, and most of us have been there. Like yeah. we may have tried that. We may have thought, okay, I can continue to live in any way that I want to, and I'll add Jesus to it. Like it just doesn't work like that. There's the parable of the wineskins, and where it talks about you can't add new wine to old wineskins. That's really basically the idea about it. You can't add new things to an old life. Yeah, it's I, a new life. I'll give you a practical example. Warren Buffett, man, the guy's been successful in money. It's great. And and if you want to read what he says and trying to imitate his money and or or any any Elon Musk, you know, or some of these people who are out there who are being very influential, that's great. But they can't drive what you do with your money. It mm -hmm. has to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. It has to be mm -hmm. Jesus who drives your money and anything that if you call yourself you a believer. Yeah. And if you yeah. whatever Warren Buffett says, if it does not line up with what Jesus says, he's wrong. I don't care if he's a billionaire. He's wrong. Yeah. It has to be. That's the plus one. Well, I'm going to do mm -hmm. it, you know, 
I'm going to do my finances this financial advisor's way. Mm-hmm. But then I'll add Jesus and, and pray to him that he'll bless what I'm doing, what this financial planner says. Yeah. I'm, I'm not against financial planners. I believe in them. <laughs> no, they they help They help you. But but he, even he, what he says has to be, that's why you go to a Christian financial planner, because yeah. hopefully he's telling you what Jesus said about finances. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah. So I think we need to emphasize that. Yeah. So too many Christians we meet aren't living the radical Christian life because they've tried to make Jesus a plus one. Yeah. Eh. It doesn't work. No. That's just swimming in the shallow end, and you're never going to actually go the places God wants you to. So this year, you're forgetting that. You're the plus one now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a great start so this, to the new year. And where did this start at? How did let's go back and uh, we started oh, you know, brainstorming and just Yeah, we like, did. So when were we really racked about the idea of not just being a Christian but being a disciple? Yeah, and I guess there's two different words there, really. Yes. There are. Yeah. So what is a disciple? Well, it's a, a person who emulates the life of Jesus, who tries to live like Jesus did. And Early, we, we were trying to remember when exactly it happened, and we don't know the year, but we were giving a book called True Discipleship by William McDonald. Yeah. And it rocked our. I think he world. wrote it in 1962. Yes. And yeah. so this would have been in the early 80s for yeah. us, late, and, late 70s. And ever since then, I, I, in fact, I just did it about three months ago. I buy cases of that book mm. and hand them out to people. And. Uh, we can, yeah, we'll talk more about it and, and share more about it. But uh, it, if you want to, you can go on whatever, however you buy books and buy True Discipleship by William McDonald, M-A-C Donald, not M-C Donald, M-A-C McDonald. And yeah, it, it's it's a game changer. Yeah. I, uh, I want to read a little bit about him because sometimes we do this. We ha- try to uh, give you ideas of people who... Uh, they are the old dead men or the old dead women. Maybe they're not dead, but this one is. <laughs> that has lived the life work following, whose life really has emulated Jesus and they stood the test of time. And so I want to I read this a little bit, uh, a little excerpt about what was written by him because he really did influence our life. And this is so good. I'm glad you're doing this because sometimes we follow people and it's do you even know their lifestyle? Do you even know, yeah. uh, are they worth listening to and emulating? And uh, Or did they practice what they preached? And right. so I'm glad you're doing I that. actually had that conversation with a group of women yesterday that I was meeting with. And I was saying, you know, that that's one thing that's a, a deal breaker for me in actuality is to read a book where I know that somebody didn't follow Jesus. Like yeah. That's really hard for me. I, kn- I know, I know, I know we can take the principles and none of us are perfect. I get it. But the other side of it is like, why, if there's so many people whose lives we could emulate, do we waste our time, you know, wallowing in the mud of people who aren't? Was well, that the time I had to talk you off the shelf of because you were going to talk quit me off re- the shelf. We'll talk you off the ledge. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you weren't that radical. Yeah. So you were just on a shelf, not on a ledge. <laughs> when you were, uh, you, yeah, you were threatening to quit reading the book of Proverbs because how could you read Solomon? He didn't finish well. Oh, he was on that. <laughs> I still kind of deal with that, but that's my own issue. <laughs> so you so, can, yes. you can, yes, you can, can, you know, you can learn from a donkey. <laughs> like Balaam, so but but That's it's true. great to emulate people who did it well, who yeah. walked the, the the radical Christian life well. Yeah, and, and William McDonald did. So this is what is said about him: When he turned eighteen, the Lord began to trouble his heart. The gospel 
gospel was familiar to him as he had grown up in a Christian family and a godly home, not just a Christian family, but a godly home. Um, But the gospel, as it was familiar to him, he was troubled uh, because he was actually a pretty good kid with no overt sins in his life. Yet he still did not know the joy of sins forgiven, and he knew that he was not in a right relationship with God. As he considered his soul's dilemma, he realized that what he was in himself was far worse than anything he had ever done. Oh, read, wait, read that last yeah, line again there. so good? As he considered his soul's dilemma, he realized that what he was in himself was far worse than anything he had ever done. If you're listening to that and you're a second gen or third generation Christian, just hear that again. Because yeah. sometimes it's easy to slip into, uh, I've been a good kid. Yeah, or I really haven't done that you know, I haven't done a lot of overt sins, which has an issue. Yeah, and we're pride, glad for that. We're not saying do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we are. But he understood the true gospel. He did. He finally took sides with God against himself and trusted the sinner Savior. He would later quote, love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart. And he gave his heart to the Lord and never lost the wonder of God's amazing love for him. Then he went on to graduate from Harvard Business School. He was a financial analyst at a huge bank. So he was continuing to walk out his Christianity, and he was a follower of Jesus then, and it changed his life. But something happened then. He went into the Navy, and during his four years in the U.S. Navy, Bill spent some time in Hawaii. One day, he picked up a book to read. It was the biography of C.T. Studd. He read it through in one sitting, and the Lord began to barbecue him as he read Charles Thomas Studd's life motto, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. In his room that night, Bill bowed before the Lord, dedicating his life for service to the master. Bill faithfully served him for more than six decades. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life. That is good. After his release from the Navy, Bill was invited to come starve as one of the instructors of the Emmaus Bible School in Oak Park, Illinois. Illinois. He made it his home for 18 years, six of which as he served as the president. A meeting with a young student from Moody Bible Institute named George Verwer impacted him and changed the course of his life. Bill enjoyed meeting with students who were on fire for the Lord, and he often prayed with them through the night concerning world missions. His involvement with this zealous group of students who abandoned all to follow Jesus influenced him to live like them and to write about them in his book, True Discipleship. Bill was beginning to see the implications of giving all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's we're going to tie a bunch of those things together for our lives because he mentioned C.T. Study, mentioned George Verwer, and the book, True Discipleship, which we're going to talk about. And again, we encourage you to read it, but we're going to distill three chapters because it's really, uh, I keep going back to these three chapters to challenge uh, my walk with Jesus to make sure it hasn't gotten off course. Yeah. Um, so the book that really, it really did wreck us was called, is called True Discipleship. Let me, let me go off on a, can I go off on a rabbit trail for a second? Yeah. Thank you for that permission. <laughs> it would have been awkward if you said no. I think you were probably going to do it anyway. But <laughs> Well, it just it, it hit me when you read that to me. He died well. He finished well. 
And, yeah. and I've been using this phrase a lot because just recently there was this famous, um, it was a famous Christian, whatever that word means, but <laughs> famous in the world's eyes. I don't know how in heaven's eyes, but we'll say in the world's eyes, he was famous. And and I read his uh, obituary and sure enough, he had to get up in front of people and admit an affair with his wife. Now, praise God, she forgave him and they reconciled. But mm-hmm. they had, you know, there was questions about how he used church uh, ministry funds for very extreme extravagant personal family things and and there were other things about his finances and that and mm. i just and I, and, and I use this phrase he didn't die with a clean sheet mm. and and i'm and you know here william mcdonald when he died they weren't writing up obituaries and you know christian no. magazine or maybe they did i don't know he, yeah. he's pretty well known <laughs> in some circles but i actually read where he had the same one bedroom apartment i believe it was in california for 35 years yeah, he committed himself to singleness he, to do he ministry. Did. Yeah. Intentional sing- yeah. singleness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he followed Paul, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 and dedicated mm. himself to singleness, which is pretty amazing, but he died with a clean sheet. Yes. And I've been saying that to young disciples. I, I've been reminding them, and I'm reminding myself all the time, I want to die with a clean sheet. Yeah. I'll give you another example, like Billy Graham. The worst thing when they tried to find dirt on him and you know, after he died was he, he, you know, he worked with the Catholics. if that's the biggest because they're always going to try and find something controversy to say about you when you die if that's (laughs) i hope that's something like oh yeah he tried to work with people for the gospel well okay to reach people for jesus so if if that's the worst thing they're going to say about me and i want to die with that kind of clean yeah yeah that that really that really should be our goal and i read a quote that he had said about himself like how did he achieve the longevity of walking with Jesus. And he said, steady plotting. Steady, yeah. I I love that. I I think it was William Carey, the great father of the modern missions movement that had said, my only ability is to plod. I misread that once, by the way, and I thought it said, my only ability is to prod. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was really naggy with you at that time. I figured I'd just prod you. (laughs) I kind of joke about it, but every time I see that, I wrote it in the front of my Bible once, and I always laugh because I thought, oh, yikes. That's what happens if we misread things. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. So my only ability is to plod. And take courage. Take courage out there because uh, I, we were talking to some young disciples actually the other day sitting on our couch uh, on the couch across from us and and I, I bring up this book I've never read the book if you know me I love to make jokes don't read books just read titles <laughs> and quote them sometimes but, that's the best thing to know, get out of a book you know there, there was a famous book that came out a few years ago about living radical you know and we talk about the radical Christian life you got to mm-hmm. be radical you know do mm-hmm. radical and usually that means something extreme yeah and then another Christian theologian wrote a book just called ordinary yeah (laughs) i love that it's like it's not sinful to live an ordinary life that's extraordinary before god yes you know and that's the kind of thing it doesn't mean you're going to be in newspapers and famous and stuff but as long as you're famous in heaven because you live full on for jesus and so for the audience of one and william Carey was that he was just a plotter and faced a lot of opposition and we can imitate that so just keep plotting for jesus yeah well, there's three things that, three chapters actually from the book that we really want to focus on. And it's going to be through the next couple weeks um, because we really feel like when we hit some of these huge things that they take a little longer time for us to impact and unpack. And we don't want to just like rush through it. 
So the three fa- chapters that we're going to focus on, um, the first one being terms of discipleship. Yep, that's where it starts off. And so again, I give this book to all my disciples. Mm. And uh, let me can I go off on another? I'm going to go off on another tangent. <laughs> uh, I was I want to give a shout out to a. I was at a men's group here in Tampa recently, and Pastor Matt Blair from Radiant Church was speaking at it, and he was just talking about discipleship, and it rocked mm-hmm. my world. Now, here I teach on discipleship, and I realized I've been doing a lot of um, non-specific, non-intentional discipleship. Mass discipleship. Yes, yes, with <laughs> groups, and, and I, I you know, always run men's groups, and I'm always having that. But I'm going back to, and I just grabbed a couple guys and I said, look, I'm going to pour into you for the next 13 weeks of what God has been showing through me through godly men. And I'm going to expect you then to go and grab some guys and mm-hmm. doing intentional discipleship. Yeah. And I'm going to give them this book because I give all my disciples this book. And I'm going to tell them to memorize the first sentence of chapter one. True Christianity is a commitment, is an all out commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where it all starts. Mm, it does. There is a full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and which is the thing that we think that we couldn't lead you into the year any better than talking about that topic. Yes, because it's a new year, and you know the great thing about God, you know, it doesn't have to start in January. But since we are moving into that, we want to leave you with not just a New Year resolution, as we said before, but a New Year's revolution. How can you see the Holy Spirit revolutionize your life? Yeah. So the four points we're going to teach you now are things you should be bringing every January to your life. If you're going to, you're not going to do a reset of the new life every January. You're going to do a reevaluation. Are you living what the revolution God brought into your life? How are you doing? The radical Christian life. So he gives seven points, seven terms of discipleship, and we've distilled them down into four. And that's what I love to tell For the people. modern age. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, I just, I think it's more succinct. I took what some of his verses and put them together and mm-hmm. combined them in some of his points. And, and that's what yeah, I tell Yeah, we didn't leave out any. Well, well actually, <laughs> we just we kind of added them in. Yeah. But, but here's the point. Read the book if you want to know it. But that's what I tell my disciples. Take what I say and make it more applicable and uh, effective mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So I'm practicing what I preach, yep. right? We practice our, what we preach here. And yep. so- we took the four prince, the seven principles, made them down into four, and we came up with a, a, a little phrase to remember. The, to lay the foundation of the radical Christian life, you need to lay a slab, a yeah. foundation. Pour the slab. If you know anything about construction, you pour the cement, you pour the slab yeah. to lay the foundation. And this is S-L-A-B. Yeah, it's our little acronym. Yeah, I actually changed it. We did. Let me talk about that yeah. for a minute because for year, I mean, we, we've taught this for years and years. And some of our disciples who might be listening um, to this podcast might recognize this as SLAF. So we we did this for years. We just didn't care about that much about acronyms, and so uh, we didn't change. We just changed the wording. We didn't change the idea, but we just figured slab is a little easier to grab because it really is. It's the foundational yeah. thing of discipleship. But I still have my heart for slab. I know. I just it thought always... it was so cool. Like we coming up with our own words. So yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we'll explain it when we get to the B at the end. For yeah. But let's start off. Very first thing S. A supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That is the first mark of discipleship. Yeah. I call these spiritual tattoos, things you mm. spiritually put on your life that people can identify you as a disciple of Jesus. And yeah. the first 
mark, the first tattoo you put on your spiritual life is a supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the S. And let's let's always make sure that when we talk about these things, we're basing this on the Bible because yeah. it really doesn't matter. We talk a lot about leadership and those kind of things, but you know, we always want to make sure it when it has a spiritual component, it has spiritual backing. And this this is if we're going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we should look at Jesus's words yeah. of what it what <laughs> he said about <laughs> what what does it mean to be his disciples? Yeah. And this is exactly what Jesus says yeah. about discipleship. So these are his words and let me read these to you out of Luke 14. The first one would be verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And verse 33, so then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. That pretty much just sums it all up. You cannot say you're a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are not willing to give up family and your own ambitions in life and mm. all your possessions. That's basically what he's saying there. Mm. And so we just summarize that as a supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we can flesh that out a little bit as we walk through the next few weeks, because I think when you read that, you go, oh, yeah. if if you're like us at all, like literally when we were walking through this today and we were talking through the podcast just briefly, like Doug separated to hair's prayer closet, I did to mine and I was racked, yeah. like literally racked because I was thinking, wow, am I doing this? Yeah. We're not going to say that on the podcast. What we started sharing with each other, you would be freaking out because we're freaking <laughs> out. Like, do we need to make some radical things to make sure we're not getting too comfortable in this world? Yeah. And we're going to practice it and pl- play it out in our life. Yeah. And we want you to do that in your Yeah. So, you know, how However, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. One of the yeah. things we prayed before we even started the podcast, we don't want to be hypocrites. Yeah. We never want to teach you something that we're not willing or are doing ourselves. And we're going to tell you when it's hard, because yeah. you know what? This is a hard, hard call. Yeah. yeah. Now, what we don't want to do is become legalists. Okay. We're going to give you four things you have to do. <laughs> Sell your house, live in a tent, you know, yeah. take the bus, don't have a car. You know, that, yeah. that's the extreme. And yeah. that's, and now well, maybe God's going to show you. We, we actually have a unique situation with our cars and how mm. we ride. I just walked a half a mile to meet with a person the other day because you had the car. Yeah. That's yeah. just what we chose to yeah. do. Like people are always like, do I have to sell my cars? No. <laughs> you don't live the life well, we do. Well, if you do. have five, you might. Yeah. yeah. In the day of Uber, you, yeah. In the day of Uber, you, I mean. So, I shouldn't have sorry. picked on five. I know. And I shouldn't <laughs> have picked on cars. kids out there. But I'm just telling, we just want to, yeah. we're fleshing this out in our life and we want you to, yeah. put, but if you're not willing to wrestle with it, yeah. then you're missing what, you're missing the true, the radical Christian life. Yeah. The radical Christian life yeah. is willing to take Jesus' words at face value and mm. wrestle with it. Yeah. And here, he mentioned C.T. Studd, mm. and, he, and he actually gives this quote in his book, True Discipleship, to try and just just, just show you an example of somebody who is uh, com- fully committed to making Jesus supreme, what am I trying to say, supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. and it's C.T. Yeah. Studd, and if you've never read C.T. Studd's bi- uh, autobiography, or in a biography, actually, I think it was by his son or grandson about um, C.T., anyway, any good, anything about C.T. Studd's going <laughs> to challenge you, because <laughs> yes, he was well. a... 
It, it, just real quick, he was a famous cricketer back in England in the 1800s. He would be like a famous pro baseball that, player today. That's a sport. Today. Yeah, for it's those a sport. Of you yeah, 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 yeah. Never been English outside of America. Things, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, around the world, India and yeah, New yeah. Zealand, they love yes. their cricket. And uh, he was famous and rich, and he gave it all. To he would have been the equivalent of probably a pro football player. Yeah, of today, or I just right? said pro baseball. But that, oh, that's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you for listening. That was really <laughs> impressive. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read what uh, William McDonald yes. writes about C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd decided to give his entire fortune to Christ and to take the golden opportunity offered him of doing what the rich young man had failed to do. It was simple obedience to the black and white statements of God's word. After you just after distributing thousands to the work of the Lord, he reserved the equivalent of $9,000 for his new bride. $9,000 back in the 1800s was probably worth about 50, 70,000. I don't even know, but I bet it was worth a lot today. Yeah. She was not to be outdone by her husband. Charlie, she asked, what did the Lord tell the rich young man to do? Sell all, he replied. Well then, we will start clear with the Lord at our wedding, and off with the mo- off went the money to Christian missions. Wow, what a way to start a wedding! In today's yeah. day, we start. You're with, not going to out disciple me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let's give the money to missions, not yeah. having some party to impress people. Sorry, ooh, ooh, ooh. Modern day dis- true discipleship being applied. Let's oh, wow. let's skip over that yeah, real quick yeah, before skip. they turn off the radio. <laughs> Oh, not listen to the podcast. <laughs> but another person that we really admire is John Wesley. And he said, to lay up treasure on earth is as plainly forbidden by our master as adultery or murder. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, so you have to wrestle with those words. Yeah. What does Jesus. it mean to have treasures on earth? Is yeah. it, you know, the unnecessary yeah. stuff yeah. that we all focus on? You're not, we all do. If, and, and, and one of the things... The book mentions and, and go back and if you look at Luke's, you know, 14, 26, 27, 33, it doesn't say if anyone is willing to come to me mm. and does not hate his own father and mother. If anyone, who, whoever does not um, carry his own cross and is willing to come after me mm-hmm. so that none of you can be my disciples who does not willingly, you know, who's not willing. It doesn't say that. It just says to do it. Yeah. And yeah. that's the hard thing we have to wrestle with. Yeah, it just is. Doing it. So yeah. we want you to wrestle with it where you are, and we're going to explain more over the next couple of weeks on how we're wrestling with that and how we want you yeah, to. Yeah, because we are too. Yeah. What does it mean? What's our new reset? Yeah. Um, the same spirit that we talked about in these two other men, the spirit of devotedness, uh, was also shown by Jim Elliott, we, which we've talked about before. We've talked about both Jim and, and Elizabeth Elliott, his wife. And Jim was a Christian martyr. And he wrote this in his diary. And this is um, very profound. He said, Father, let me be weak that I might lose my clutch on everything temporal, my life, my reputation, my possessions. Lord, let me loose the tension of the grasping hand even, Father, that I would lose the love of fondling. How often I have released a grasp only to retain what I prized by harmless longing, the fondling touch. Rather, open my hand to receive the nail of Calvary as Christ's was opened, that I, releasing all, might be released, unleashed from all that binds me now. He thought heaven, yea, a quality with God, not a thing to be clutched at, so let me release my grasp. I love that. Father, 
would I lose the love of fondling? Yeah. And that that's just so powerful because we we really we we say we want to give it all, but we want to keep looking at. We want to keep talking about things. We want to keep I'm looking at our neighbors and see what they have. Mm. So I think this would be a good place to just stop because but before we do can i can i mention a song that really ministered to me today it's uh, it's been a few years since this song was out but it's called the wonderful cross and it's by matt redman and it just is an incredible song that talks even about the beginning when we talked about william mcdonald that he gave his heart and his soul and is all that that the the cross demands this of us. But it's a great song if you're looking for one to listen to today that might minister to your soul. When I have my quiet times, worship is a part of them. And today, this was just a song that kind of went along with what we were talking about. I love when the Holy Spirit does that, by the way, when something comes to my mind or your mind, and it's like, wow, I can see that. I can apply it. Uh, yeah. And, and we're trying to apply it here at Serving Beyond Borders because as soon as you're saying that, I'm going, well, you know, we could pay more money and have this cool podcast where we can incorporate that song in and have it fade out and all that. But then that means we're going to have to do fundraising. That probably support raising and try and get our money up so that we can become like, and we can keep doing more and we can keep, and now we got to more pressure of more money and more. Mm. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. Matt Redman. Yeah. Wonderful cross. Yeah. Listen to it. Yeah. Let God speak to you. Don't forget what we're saying. Uh, I mean, don't forget, but just want to remind you, it all starts there. If you want to live the radical Christian life, read the book, True Discipleship, but you can just even on your own, just read Luke 14, 26 through 33 and ask yourself about the Supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there an area of your life that you're still fondling of this world that you're still longing for this world? That you haven't opened your hand to. Yeah. I want to end with um, a story that really hit me this week. I was reading from Ray Ortland Jr. a thing on fatherhood, and he talked about his father. For you who don't know, Ray Ortland Sr. was pastor at Lake uh, Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, California for like 50 years or 40 years. Actually, a long time, I should have just said. <laughs> it was a long time. But his legacy with him and Anne, his wife Anne, she really affected you and some she of her did. writings and that. I read her book, Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman, right after I became a new believer, and it profoundly affected me. Yeah, and the legacy he loved through his children, they're all in ministry, do serving the Lord. Not that you have to be in ministry, they're serving the Lord. That's what yeah. I should have said. Now his grandchildren, his son, his grandson, I think Dane, has written books that have influenced my our children, they're yeah. really loving some of the writings. And, but um, I read this by Ray Ortland's son, Ray Ortland Jr., and this is what he wrote. Early on Sunday, July twenty second, 2007, my dad woke up in his hospital room in Newport Beach. He knew it was his, finally his day of release from this life. He had the nurse call the family in. My wife, Janie, and I were far away in Ireland for ministry that day. We didn't know what was happening back home. But the family gathered at Dad's bedside. They read scripture. They sang hymns. Dad spoke a word of patriarchal blessing and admonition to each one, a message suited to encourage and guide. He pronounced over them all the blessing of Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And then, quietly, he fell asleep. Later, I asked my sister about Dad's message to me. It was this. Tell Bud, ministry isn't everything. Jesus is. Mm. Jesus is. Mm. Jesus is worth making a supreme commitment for your life. That's the radical Christian life. Thanks for listening to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate. But we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we. And let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.